Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's episode is with Ada Bernier. A bit of background on Ada. When Ada founded Skill Crush in 2012, she did it with one specific mission in mind, to give students the technical skills they need to enter high earning and flexible careers. She'd spent the four years prior doing work in media that wasn't particularly interesting, and she noticed that some of her colleagues seemed to have it all completely made. While Ada sat chained to a desk doing rote tasks, this group of mostly men had flexible schedules, the ability to work remotely, build super high rates, and actually seemed fulfilled by the careers. They also had job security, something Ada definitely didn't have. She wanted in on whatever those guys had. It's not a shock. They had tech skills. Ada taught herself how to code, and Skill Crush followed soon after. But not without a number of bumps along the way. A lot has changed since then. In the last few years, Skill Crush's revenue has grown four times, and the company size has increased by at least that much. Her career transition certainly changed her life and without a doubt changed the lives of students all over the world. And so we're here today to talk about all these transitions, her why, and why she feels like tech skills is the way of the future. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. So in your bio, there was quite a story there. You had a transitionary period. You know, you sort of looked around. Uh, you saw the people were doing certain things and uh, maybe some of them had security and you longed for that type of security and that led you down skill crush. Can you walk us through the intricacies, uh, intricacies of what that journey was? Yeah, so I started my career working in media, um, as you said, in New York. And this was like 2007, 2008. And um, if, if you can think back to those days, it was not... Um, I mean, those were just rough times for everyone, but in particularly sort of media was kind of like the canary in the coal mine that went first. So I actually experienced um, being, you know, I was actually, I ended up at, working at a digital ad agency and I was a non-technical 
worker. My role was a producer and I actually got laid off. And at that point I had been sort of, um, you know, starting to learn about the tech industry and seeing what the job roles were and interested in learning to code. Um, but, you know, just held back by, you know, the things that hold everyone back, lack of time, um, you know, sort of, I don't know, the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But largely also, I think, you know, a feeling or fear that I wasn't going to be able to do it. Like I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the smarts to figure it out. Um, and then what happened is that I got laid off. And when I got laid off, they pretty much only laid off non-technical workers. So to speak to that job security, I really felt like it was sort of, <laughs> you know, the writing was very clearly on the wall that, um, you know, especially in a situation like that, you know, as a non-technical worker working in any sort of, you know, digital media, you just were expendable in a way that technical workers were not. So that was really the, you know, the kick in the ass I needed um, in order to get myself over my fear and intimidation of learning to code and just really buckle down and do it. Wow. 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 And, and um, now you run the company 100% remote, right? Yes. Why? Um, it's a combination of things. So to start, um, you know, so before I ran Skill Crush, I actually ran sort of a digital consultancy business for a couple of years. And, um, you know, that was very kind of loosey goosey. Like I, um, I started off just with a friend of mine and we would kind of take projects on together and then quickly, you know, it was one of those things where like, I feel like I very much stumbled into running a business. Like I did not set out to run a business. I set out to just kind of make money and, um, you know, and try to make a living as a freelance developer at the time. And before I knew it, I was running this, you know, growing small business and was having to hire people. And so at that point I got a lot of experience hiring freelancers and working with them remotely. And that was just because, um, that was, you know, we, we weren't looking to hire people full time and freelancers, you know, you don't necessarily control how they do the work or where they do it from. So that was kind of my first exposure to it. So I got very comfortable with that. Um, and then when I was starting Skill Crush, again, you know, there it was like I had even less money to work with. So I really had to um, be flexible in terms of trying to figure out how to make it work. And um, again, just started working with freelancers who were remote. And then um, the, I was actually working with freelancers who were not living in New York, in New York City. And so when it came time to increase their role and make them full time, um, you know, I was already used to working with them remotely. So it wasn't too much of a transition to just hire them full time remote. Um, and then from there, it kind of just snowballed. Um, and what, you know, what I found was that, I mean, I liked it and I was used to it and it gave, you know, both myself and the person I was hiring a lot of freedom and flexibility, um, if they were remote. And I was able to, you know, it's, it can be really hard, especially with technical talent, um, to hire, I mean, it's expensive to hire technical talent no matter what, but especially if you, you know, have to sort of compete with, um, other New York based companies and big, both big companies and then a lot of venture backed startups for, um, for that talent, it can be really challenging. So it just, it allowed me to not put that restriction on myself. So I was able to cast a much wider net for hires um, and just get great hires. And it just, at that point it just felt like a no brainer. Like why would I 
hire someone who wasn't as smart yeah, no. <laughs> just because they were in New York city. Um, no. when I could hire this fantastic person in, you know, Ottawa or something. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, it sort of just went from there. And then, um, you know, at some point we got to the point where it was like, Oh, this isn't just like, you know, a casual thing. This is actually how we're actively building the company. Um, and that has been an interesting process, you know, and it's like, it is very different to run a remote company with like five people than it is with 10 people or 15 or 20, or now we're at 30 going up to 35. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in the process, I think I've also really, um, you know, talking about diversity inclusion, it has allowed us, or I think it has really, um, create an environment that is much more inclusive. I would say that's probably the single best thing about it. Um, obviously from a geographic standpoint, but more importantly, I think from, um, you know, we have a lot of employees who are primary caretakers of their families who are still able to work for us. Um, and also a number of employees who are dealing with chronic illnesses. And so I think for them, um, for both of those sort of groups of people uh, working remote allows them to continue to be a part of the workforce and contribute while, um, you know, still taking care of themselves and their families. Absolutely. No, and, and obviously I geek out about these things because, you know, the fact that you run it 100% remote means that you're on multiple continents in almost every time zone and all of you, I imagine, are constantly on the move. And also this is also a direct reflection of your customers who are all over the world. And you basically navigate these cultural differences and experiences. So whenever I come across people like you, I'm like, tell me more. What are you, what are you learning about these cultural differences? How are you facilitating an inclusive environment for that? Because it's, it's a chance for me to learn, but also a chance for the world to see the actual positivity that can come about from um, digital uh, media and uh, technology. So please share any tips. It could be the tough times as well as the good times, but what have you learned from fostering and navigating across these cultural differences, even with time zones and managerial practices that you've learned? Yeah, I mean, there's so much. I guess I will start, uh, just one thing to say about this is that um, one of the things that has been really incredible about having this remote workforce is there have been many, many moments at which it has really brought like what's happening in the news home um, in a very like literal way. And, And examples are um, for a couple of years, we had a developer working out of Crimea, and that was, and we were working with her when Russia invaded Crimea. Um, and then she was dealing with like electrical, you know, like they would turn off electricity at midnight or the water, you know what I mean? Like all these issues that we were sort of hearing about on the news, like we were literally having to work through and problem solve with wow. her, with yeah. her, which was amazing. Or, I mean, which was horrible for her, but it was, it really, put it in a completely different context for me. Um, and the same goes, you know, we just, we have a lot of um, employees in Florida for whatever reason, I end up hiring a lot of Floridians and that has been really interesting over, you know, like for Hurricane Irma, um, they all, like most of them had to evacuate. So we were sort of dealing with that and, you know, it's been really like, so, you know, it's not necessarily like, exactly to your point about cultural differences, but in terms of really making like you feel like you're a part of the world in this really tangible way. Um, Or, you know, I had another woman who was working for me from Paris when there was um, the terrorist shooting rampage in Paris. You know what I mean? I just, it's been really, that part of it has been really amazing. Um, In terms of things that we've learned, 
you know, I think a lot of the things that we've learned as a remote company are not that different than what you learn as a, like as a growing startup. However, I think that it's kind of like, I think when you're in person, if relationships are reasonably good in the company, like if the atmosphere is reasonably good, you can kind of get away with stuff for a little bit longer that isn't actually sustainable and isn't going to work long-term. Um, so I think that when you're remote, those things, just those problems like show up sooner. Um, and, but I, I honestly think that in the end, that's a gift. Um, but what that means in real time is like communication issues. I think they're a problem for any growing startup, but they are like a super duper acute problem with a remote company because there isn't kind of that natural information sharing that would happen if you were all in the office together. Um, or just, you know, like people would see like, Oh, those people are coming in and out. Like I can kind of follow what's happening. You really have to make the, you know, an effort to make sure that everyone knows everything. Um, that was really our first problem that we encountered. And then the second problem was management processes around who's doing what work and how to share that information and document it and coordinate, especially across different time zones, um, becomes very, very important. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, as we have grown bigger, the time zone issue has become a bigger problem. Like it used to be that we could be very flexible and work with people in all different time zones um, without a problem. But as as the organization has grown, that has become a bigger and bigger challenge um, because you do need to overlap. And, you know, it's not that you need to be in the same location, but you need to be able to talk to someone, yeah. like actually talk to them. And if they're sleeping when you're awake and vice versa, that's a huge, that is a problem. And so um, that is something that, you know, unfortunately, as we've grown bigger, we've had, as and as we've hired new people, um, we've had to be more thoughtful about that. Um, and, you know, consider that when we're hiring a person, like, is this going to be functional in terms of the team that they're going to go on to? Absolutely. No, I, I love it. And I just, I was wanted to give the audience an insight into who you are and why this is so important because um, um, I think it's a really important thing that you do. Now, with Skill Crush, your company, you know, you believe mm -hmm. that technology doesn't have to be hard. In fact, you know, it's a personal story for you. You were laid off in part due to the fact that you didn't have a tech skill. So, what if talk to us about why you feel like this is the new trend, this is important, and this is going to impact future careers? So, I mean, I think that the reason why it's important is probably obvious to a lot of everyone listening, which is that technology is just changing how we operate in every facet of our lives. Um, you know, they're really, I, I challenge you to come up with something that technology is not in the process of you know, disrupting in some capacity. And, um, you know, with that, it becomes, um, you know, there really becomes this great divide between people who can navigate that and really take control of that and participate in the process of, of making the new technology and then the people who can't. And, um, and at the bottom line, and, you know, and I think the thing is, is though, the important thing that we really try to say at Scale Crash is that I think that that divide feels harder to cross than it actually is. It's actually not very difficult to cross. It's not that hard to learn how to code. It's not that hard to learn technical skills. Um, and, you know, giving yourself at least a basic fluency and that is going to give you a huge leg up in ways that you can't imagine and probably we as a group can't even imagine yet. Um, but the more sort of empowered you are in that arena, the, the more control you're going to have over, you know, uh, over what you do and how how you do it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's really cool. And obviously, the ways that people can can sign is I you know I'm, I'm on your site now. You know, one of the pop ups is 
you have the ultimate guide to coding for beginners. So you you immediately appeal to people that might be intimidated by, oh, coding. Well, you're giving them a guide for beginners. You have boot camps, and then you have programs. Uh, what are the differences between the boot camps, programs, and the guides that you provide? Yeah, so we provide an enormous amount of resources about, you know, a lot of the work that we do is is show people how learning technical skills can help them to achieve the, the goals that they have. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of our students come to us and say, I'm really looking to do remote work. Now, obviously, there's lots of different ways to do remote work. It doesn't all have to be technical, but it happens to be the tech industry is one of the industries with the highest percentage of people who are working remotely. So it's a very good opportunity and a very good way to do it. Plus, you know, it's growing and there's lots of money to be made. So, like, you know, we obviously think, that it's the answer if you're looking to do remote work. So you can go to our site and we have both a lot of blog posts and a lot of eBooks about, um, you know, what being a remote worker looks like if you're in the tech industry, um, how you can break into that, what it takes, you know, what that path looks like, stories of people who've done it before, et cetera, et cetera. If you're interested in actually then learning the technical skill, you can start with our free 10-day boot camp. And the idea of the boot camp is really, it's just, you know, it's very sort of snackable content. Um, it's not a super high investment of your time or energy, but it's just to give you sort of a little bit of exposure to what it is we teach, um, why we teach what we teach, and also the manner in which we teach it. Because something we work really hard on at Skillcrush is to, um, you know, teach technology in a way that it's not generally taught, meaning very, very practical, um, you know, very lighthearted, um, engaging, or try, you know, as accessible as possible. And then our programs are for those of you, or for those people out there who are interested in really, you know, making that commitment and saying, yes, I do really want to um, transition into a job in technology, or I want to explore what this can mean for me, or I have a very specific goal, like I want to work remote or start a freelance business. And then we will um, work with you to really better understand what your goals are and then put together a curriculum path that fits you um, and your goal and then work with you to learn all the skills that you need to learn and then actually, you know, turn around and implement those in your life. So. That's incredible. That's uh, I, uh, that's so. Good. Anyone listening right now, you think about coding, um, think about just the added benefit of having such a personalized approach. That that's that's amazing. That takes away a lot of the intimidation factor. Um, even for someone like me who's heavily involved in tech, but I, I have admittedly been intimidated by the idea of coding. I'm like, ah, I don't know. But um, that just you're not alone. I mean, I was intimidated too. I think I think almost everyone is intimidated. Honestly. Yeah. Um, but it really should like there is no re- there is no legitimate reason for you to be intimidated by it, um, and so that's you know something that we really work on is sort of trying to remove all those barriers. Hmm. What do you think about starting younger? Do you think like kids like in middle school, high school? I mentor. Well, I guess we're both in the same city. So in New York City, I do big brother, big sisters here, and um, I have a ten year old foster kid that I that I mentor, and his sister is nine. And she was telling me that, oh, yeah, we started doing coding. It's part of our curriculum. Da, da, da. And she's from the inner city. So I, I was wondering, is that something that you feel like we need to start doing more where we need to start making um, women and, and uh, yeah, particularly women because we need to move the gender equality. Women in tech realize that there, there's a place for them. Yeah, absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, I, yes, 100%. I think that everyone could benefit from greater exposure and certainly, you know, younger girls no question um I think you know it's funny because I actually feel like there is a lot of effort being put into that and something that I worry about is you know sort of the focus on that versus the focus on all of the women who are currently you know college educated really smart but largely Mm. underemployed um so and I guess you know and part of my feeling is like if we invest in those women they in turn will invest in their their children or you know or like the kids that are part of their lives in whatever way that looks like um so I do I think that you know I yes 100% I am all for teaching young kids to code but I think um not to the exclusion of you know empowering people who need it right this second and you know so Oh, wow. No, that's good. It's good. I mean, I love that you brought that point because um, I guess you can easily refute this. And I, I, I refute this every time I'm in meetings where people say this. But it always people always say, there's a pipeline gap. We want to hire women. But, you know, I can't really figure it out. What do you say to them when when they tell you that? Yeah, this is a really complex and thorny issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm interested in your perspective on this because – is there a pipeline problem? Of course. And to a certain extent, you could argue that what Skill Crush is trying to do is change that pipeline problem. I guess, let me put it this way. There's different ways to slice this. One is to say, yes, there's a pipeline problem, but the solution to that, to me, like to train 10-year-olds in coding in the hopes that eventually that'll fix your pipeline problem, that seems like not necessarily the best way to solve it, right? Like I think that you could start by being like, okay, well, you know, how do we train people who could start where the return on investment and training them could be like pay off almost immediately. So, um, there's that factor of it. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of these tech companies have an extremely poor retention rate. So it's hard to, um, you know, like, I think that their complaints about the pipeline problem are a little bit convenient um, because the truth of the matter is, is that statistics show that even when they do get, you know, diverse members of the workforce in, they often can't retain them. So I guess I would just encourage those companies to look at, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that outside of, you know, providing scholarships or supporting people in learning the skills and then hiring them, um, which is a great option for them to do, and a fair number of companies are doing it. Um, you know, the thing that they really have control over is retention. And um, I, yeah, anyways, in short, I think the pipeline problem is overblown, and I think it's also an awfully convenient excuse well, for not having diverse workforce. I, so. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but here's what I say. And, and then look, 
I, I, the one word you said that I completely agree encapsulates the whole thing is that it's convenient. The fact of the matter is that if if we're going to argue, let's say we live in this imaginary world that is a pipeline, it's that you have proven as someone who learned tech is that it's not something that you can't train. It's a right. matter of you hiring for, say, the, the work culture or the company culture you want to have and then providing the training for that. Also, we've created a culture where we've unconsciously told women that, you know, there's no opportunity for them anyway. So they, they don't take, they don't major in those degrees in, in the first place. So I think companies, it's the onus is on them to look for non-traditional hires and understand that this is something that's easily, well, not, I don't know if it's easily trained, but it's something that you can train for. But get the people that can and identify with your mission. And then you're going to start to develop that. If, you, if you're really looking and tapping into the same pipeline that you've consistently done, like the Stanford's and the Harvard's and the all that, then you're not going to get the diverse workforce that you're looking for. So right. um, I think people need to expand the, the talent pool. But I also think that people shouldn't use not having a tech background as a um, negative. Rather, you should create an incubation uh, incubator mentality where you can develop these skill sets. You can say, hey, we're going to hire you, but you have to go through X amount of months for this training and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I also think that, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, listen, if, if a company has, you know, has gone on a big campaign and changed everything internally and et cetera, et cetera, and still can't find enough people, but I just like, that's just so, I've never, I've never been a part of a conversation where that's the case where they've really overturned every stone in order to, you know, make a change. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm even referring to the big companies. I'm talking about the, the Googles, the Ubers, the, all that, that, that these are things at some point, Facebook. And, and I know Facebook with Sheryl Sandberg, they're actively trying to, to work in that. But, um, I think, uh, convenient excuses don't lead to anything. I think it has to be, if we, if you legitimately believe it's a pipeline problem, what can you do to expand the talent pool? And right. yes, there is, you know, starting with 10 years, is, I, I actually like that idea. But I think the thing that you brought up that, you know, sometimes is lost in us is that we can't forget the people that are already qualified to work. <laughs> so so if you have all the all, all these uh, people that are qualified to work, why not train them? And that's what Skill Crush is, uh, you know, allows people to do. And I think partnering with organizations like yourself uh, and yours is, you know, is key to, I guess, <laughs> um, bridging or filling up that talent, uh, talent pipeline. So um, I'm excited yeah, for what you're doing. Yeah, there's a really cool organization here based in the city, and it was run by a woman, or it was founded by a woman named Barbara Chang, who's actually now the uh, Workforce Development um, Director in the city of New York. But it basically her premise was that she was working with all these big banks and they basically had, you know, they basically said to her the same thing, you know, we, and their issue wasn't even diversity. They were like, we just literally don't have enough people to fill these technical internships. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, people who are coming out of computer science programs out of fancy universities, like they don't necessarily want to go work for a bank. They're interested in working for, you know, Google and all the sort of bigger flashier tech companies. Um, but she comes at it from a sort of diversity and inclusion perspective. And so what she, she created this, what she basically did was that she said, okay, what if we create this assessment 
um, where we sort of, you know, stipulate like these are the, you know, you have to be able to pass this test effectively of both like professional and technical skills. And um, she was like, if I can get the people who, if I can, if they, if I can get people to, you know, sort of meet this criteria, will you hire them even if they don't come from a fancy brand name school? And her goal really was to get these big banks to hire CUNY grads. Um, yep. And yep. it was really interesting. And they basically, so she did a pilot program, I think with JP Morgan Chase. I'm not totally sure, but I just thought that was such a brilliant way to do it because Exactly, because there's just so much bias in these processes, and everyone is trying to hire the same, you know, couple hundred students who are coming out of Stanford, MIT, and Carnegie Mellon, and there's so many more people who, I mean, that's not even talking about people who aren't getting an education, like, we're actually not just talking about people who are getting an education, but aren't getting it, yeah. Yeah, right, but aren't getting it from one of those brand name yeah. schools, often because they, you know come from more disadvantaged backgrounds. Anyways, I just thought that was a brilliant program that she did and it's sort of this amazing way for her, you know, to sort of make it more objective, but also, um, you know, bring up totally different constituency to the yeah. table. I completely agree. And I think that, that I believe in a hundred percent believe that the talent's out there. It's just a matter of us looking for them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we could, we could both talk about this for hours because we're clearly passionate about it, but I, I didn't want to, to uh, uh, leave this part out. You've experienced quite the revenue growth in the last few years, and what do you attest that to? Lots and lots of uh, hard work. <laughs> Hear that, kids? Hard work. <laughs> yeah, it's really, you know, it's so funny because it, it is really true. Like, I actually read this Nelson Mandela quote recently that was like, it's always impossible until it's done. And that is how revenue growth and growth in your company just always feels. Like, it always feels impossible until you've done it. And then you're like, well, that was easy. Now it's really hard is the next thing. Um, so, you know, I would say that I have gone myself through an enormous education in, in sales and marketing. Um, I really knew nothing when I started my business about what it means to sell and market a product. And I have learned that that's basically whatever, you know, I have a, I have a business mentor who says every company at the end of the day is a sales and marketing company. And the question is just, what are you selling and marketing? Um, that's the only difference between businesses. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that as, I th- you know, I talk to a lot of people who are interested in running businesses, and I try to hammer this point home to them that, um, you know, you really have to understand, like, what are the sort of fundamental, mecha- me- you know, mechanics of how to, to run a business, and fundamental to that is learning how to sell yeah. your product, because yeah. that's what business is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, there's a million details along the way, but I think, you know, especially to start with, it was a lot of really... Um, non-scalable, just grind it out, kind of like figure out what is it that people are looking for? You know, what problem are we solving for them? How do we solve that problem? And and that, you know, that both affected how we, you know, sold and marketed and positioned our product, but also it totally influenced the product. And our product has changed a lot and developed a lot over time based on feedback from the market. Um, and I think that's something that can be very scary to new business owners because um, I think that like you don't want to hear that your product isn't the most perfect thing that's ever been created. Um, and but I will tell you that making money will 
you know, it's the balm that like, you know, sort of heals all of those wounds. <laughs> um, no, I can imagine. So I, and in the end of the day, like I think the product that Skillfresh is today is much better and stronger than anything I could have come up with on my own. Yeah. So I'm so thankful for the customers who helped me along the way. Um, yeah. Every company is a sales and marketing company. And it sounds to me like once you uh, learn how to leverage uh, the feedback you got from your audience and, and also understand how to brand yourselves as, as a, as a company that's really solving a big problem today, you, you know, you, yeah. we talked about, we've already alluded to some of the things. You, you're helping bridge the gap. You're helping um, provide skills. You're, you're helping make people more hireable. You're making them more dispensable. You're giving them independence uh, in, in their location. <laughs> and, and you're giving them skills that they can apply to many companies. And, and you sell that to someone and you, you basically say, Look, you want to be in a position where you don't have to worry about security and being fired and you know that your skill is going to be easily desired by X amount of companies in the world, come to skill come to skill crush. I, exactly. I, you, know, you know, I can't imagine how no one would um would, would want to buy to that. So the audience here mm-hmm. it's uh, hundred and fifty countries, generally around uh twenty one to thirty five, you know, the millennial uh range. They're uh, very entrepreneurial, interested in telling their stories. Uh, someone interested in using tech to to bridge the divides or build something. I'm I'm curious if they wanted to 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 be part of this or share this with the audience with I guess their sons or their colleagues. Where can they go? Is it skillcrush.com or is there something else that they can join like a bootcamp? Uh, com and you will just see the link to our 10 day free bootcamp. So absolutely check that out. We also have our own podcast coming out, which is exciting. And, yes, uh, I know. <laughs> Um, it's called the hard refresh podcast by skill crush. And you can learn more about that at skillcrush.com forward slash podcast. Um, that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm a little nervous about it. We're actually taking, um, we're going to be talking about everything that you and I are talking about here, but also sort of taking a look at skill crush and how, and, and whether we're really living up to the ideals that we're, you know, trying to espouse. So it's exciting. And also, uh, you know, a little nerve wracking for me, but I think it'll be good. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, and I'll definitely be subscribing. So yeah, please let me know. And um, since, it's, since it's coming out in a couple of weeks, I'm sure this episode would have come out by then. So I'll include that as well. So hopefully we'll drive some traffic your way. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to your point about, you know, we're talking a lot about companies and diversity and inclusion. I will say that um, that's obviously something that we think a lot about and care a lot about at Skillcrush. But I also find that, you know, I wouldn't say that my students are necessarily like that's not the problem the core problem we we solve right like the fact that some of these tech companies have trouble with diversity and inclusion and retention um is not something like we're positioned to solve what we really try to solve instead is just the the pain that our students feel of you know not making enough money or being stuck commuting long hours or um doing a job that they really don't like and that's really kind of what we're focused on and and looking to help our students with all right. Noted, noted, noted. Um, before we wrap up, though, I, I want to uh, ask you a question I ask all my guests, which is um, in my mission statement, use your difference to make a difference. That's, that's the foundation of everything that I do. How do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, I think that, you know, my whole journey with the Skill Crush Company has been to, you know, I came into technology as this sort of young female and found that it was um, 
alienating and then all to me and I didn't feel welcome but also I I felt that there was just such a dissonance between my perception of what it was going to be like versus the reality right so my you know going into technology I thought technology was going to be boring and intense and hard and um, you know, I was going to like work at a computer all day long and not talk to anyone. And what I actually found was that technology was so interesting and creative and accessible and amazing. And I was collaborating with all these people. Um, and I just, you know, and I saw a lot of people who I thought, you know, who were more like, who were like me, who could really benefit from that information. And so what I, you know, really thought about was if I, if it could have, you know, if learning to code could have looked how I wish it had looked, what would it that be? And that's really what Skill Crush was um, or is. And, um, yeah, so just really thinking about, you know, if you're not kind of a geeky guy, how do I, how do you learn technology skills in a way that's interesting and entertaining to you? Absolutely. No, I think that's a great thing. And, and like I said, it really... It hit home with me because I'm I'm more I've always been the, the talker, creative uh, <laughs> speaker. And I never really prided myself on being as technical as I am. But the way you described it, I was like, my goodness, that there is a possibility for me to actually be there. So I think it hits home with a lot of people, and I think uh, you've done a good job of marketing that. So I want to applaud you for that, and uh, and you know, uh, commend you for using your difference to make a difference in that way. Thank you. All right, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, make sure to check out scrollcrush.com. We, she's also got a podcast it was coming out i'll put that in the show notes but um you know like we've said we've done uh an extensive amount of work on, on the importance of of uh for her platform throughout this interview please um make sure that you're you know reaching out to people that this might benefit and it's obviously remote so you can do it um virtual from anywhere and um uh make sure that you're contributing your your small way to change the world but um till next week and next time use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.